Welcome, one and all, to episode three of our Encounters 2019 podcast minisode series, brought to you by Squiggly.com. I'm Ben Mitchell, editor-in-chief of Squiggly Online Animation Magazine and the host of the Animation Filmmaker Q&As at this year's edition of Encounters. And this is a particularly heaving session, packed with some fabulous talents from six of the films that screened in competition. They were part of the program Animation 3, Her Story, a section focused on some noteworthy new female voices in the animation world. These include Carla McKinnon's O Hunter Hart, a stop-motion musing on love and loss. Carla wasn't in attendance, but we're joined by her producer, Christian Schleffer. We also hear from Lauren Orm, who was one of our main guests on the most recent episode of the regular Squiggly Animation podcast, episode 93. She'll be telling us a bit more about her fantastic new film, Creepy Pasta Salad, in which a ghost, a goth girl, and a call centre worker go about what may be their last day on Earth. Lauren is this time joined by technical director Danny Abram and composer Phil Brooks. Phil is also here representing Anamantzaris' hugely successful RCA graduation film, Good Intentions, a stop-motion thriller about a woman driven to translucence from the guilt of a hit-and-run. Also on the panel is Laura Nessia Tamara, discussing her film It Starts With, a 2D animation short about love and tiny teacups made through random acts, as well as Swiss director Patricia Wenger talking about her charming film Laugh Lines, which interweaves eight curious, quirky stories about friendship. Finally, we'll hear from Kaylee Gibbons, whose film Featherweight, directed during her time at Jam Media in Belfast, tells the story of a girl and father figure struggling to cope with the death of a central family member. Let's go ahead and crack on then, shall we? Hello, I'm Phil Brooks. I was the composer on Good Intentions. I'm here representing Anna Mansaris. Uh, on a side note as well, I composed uh, for Lauren and Danny for Creepy Pasta Salad. Hi, I'm Danny Abram, and I was the technical director on Creepy Pasta Salad. Hi, I'm Laura. I'm the director slash animator slash art director slash everything. Well, with a little bit of help on uh, it starts with, which was a random act short. Hi, I'm Patricia Wenger, and I'm the director of Love Lines. Hi, I'm Kaylee Gibbons, and I'm the writer director of Featherweight. Hi, I'm Lauren Orm. I'm the writer director of Creepy Pasta Salad. I'm Christian Schleffer, I'm the producer and I think technical director, it says in the credits, of uh, Oh Hunter Hart. Okay. I guess if we start with Christian, uh, okay. as we've got the, uh, the mic. So this was directed by Carla McKinnon? Yeah. Um, so how did you and Carla uh, first start working together? Um, we studied together at the RCA and lived, shared a flat for a while, so we helped each other out back then. and. Yeah, this was the first thing we worked on together in four years, but yeah. So the uh, production circumstances of this film then, was it funded as part of the Anime Teen scheme, is that right? Mm -hmm. So how did they approach you for that? Did you pitch for that or were they soliciting? Carla pitched for that and um, she assumed she wasn't going to get the grant because at that time she was like seven months pregnant <laughs> and like she assumed she was she was just trying but um, yeah production began when like right after she gave birth that's, um, yeah, that's, um, <laughs> 
was she okay with it then? Like, with a because that just seems it was her plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did my best to enable the insanity of that plan. From your kind of perspective, I guess, what was the sort of initial seed of the idea then? Do you know what kind of inspired the story for it or the premise of it? Well, Carla had these characters um, like in her mind and on sketches for years, like even back when we uh, were still studying. But back then, the the two characters were in a very abusive relationship, and that sort of transformed, I think. Um, and yeah, now now it's a film about. Uh, relationships that are longer than three months and shorter than a year. Yeah, yeah I had a few of those. Um, <laughs> so the audio is a big part of it. Was it sourced from like interviews and stuff, or was it a scripted thing? Um, sourced from interviews, so, okay. yeah. And music by Hannah Peel. I think Carla and Hannah met at some point in their lives and decided to work together, and then years later it actually happened. There was a similar film yesterday, um, I think called My Moon, uh, which had kind of snippets of audio. I think that was scripted, but that was kind of what informed the progression of the story because the characters didn't speak in a sort of similar way to this film. But in terms of like the production order, was the story idea kind of cemented and then it was a matter of kind of picking from the audio what worked for what was happening in the story or did you kind of make a script out of selected bits of the audio to begin with, if that makes sense. I think it was sort of a bit of both. Okay. Like, she knew sort of where she wanted to go with this, and then picked audio snippets, but she wasn't like dead set on what exactly was supposed to happen. Well, thank you very much, Christian. Free move on to Lauren. Uh, Lauren uh, actually recently featured on our main podcast, so we had quite a lengthy chat about this film. But we're, um, we're here with some other members of the team as well, so you guys can maybe um, uh, talk a bit more about or expand on you know, your kind of working relationship a bit. But first of all, um, something that I guess I hadn't uh, really gone into as, as much detail in the original interview was I suppose the actual design itself. We talked a bit about the animation process. Is this your like, design style? Did you design the characters in the universe or was it something that was kind of developed externally? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I don't really have a design style. It's something I've always felt really like uh, uh, inadequate about. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like some people have like a really distinctive style that's always their style of kind of drawing and stuff. And I sort of came into this thinking like, what's it going to look like? I literally don't know because I don't really have that. Like all of my work. Well, um, other people might dispute this, but to me, like, it all looks different sort of thing. So, yeah, there was, like, a quite a long process of design and stuff and, and getting the look of the characters and things because I don't really have, like, a starting point of, like, oh, yeah, this is what I will obviously look like. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. But uh, you're happy with sort of how it came together and coalesced? Yeah, I yeah. think so, yeah. I think it works for the film. But then now I don't think that's my style necessarily. Like I think the next one would look different, probably. And we could talk a bit about uh, you and Danny's relationship, as because uh, you run a studio together now. I think we have kind of brought it up before, but maybe you could kind of recap how you guys met and what the sort of current working relationship is. Uh, yeah. So we met um, 
because so I run Cardiff Animation Nights, which is an independent animation screening event in Cardiff. I say I run it, so I ran it about five years ago, and then Danny came along to it and like emailed me afterwards saying like, can I help out and can we be friends? And then <laughs> she just started helping out and we were friends. And then um, we did actually we did an Anna Jam film for Encounters. When was that? Was it 2016? So a couple of years ago, and we won one won a jam because it was the best. Um, yeah, and we just had fun working together. It was awesome. And so then, like, needed someone with like really good technical prowess to like mastermind how this film was going to work. And like, Danny was the obvious choice. So we started working together on this film, and then like went on from there to make the studio. Uh, so, Danny, you're the technical director. What ultimately does that entail? Yeah, good question. <laughs> we don't know. Like, I chose that credit myself because it was the nearest to uh, somebody that touched everything, yeah. I feel like, is the best way of describing it. Um, I would quite often tell Lauren how to build a character and how to paint. Like She painted all the backgrounds and painted all the characters. but. Um, in regards to the characters, because we had to move them in a certain way, I would tell her then how to paint that, like what, how I want it named, how I want it laid out, how I want it split up. And then I rigged everything and animated nearly everything. There's a few characters that are hand-drawn, so there's the cat and the wolf that are all done by someone else, but pretty much everything moving was me. <laughs> I was wondering about that actually, just sort of re-watching it today, the, the full animation on the wolf for example, and was that a, what was the reason behind that? Yeah, what was the reason behind that? <laughs> I don't even remember now. <laughs> no, I don't remember now. I think we just probably thought it would work better that way. Although I think it would have worked fine in my eye. You coming round? Yeah, I'm coming round. So people listening to the podcast, they couldn't have been sat further apart. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it was because you wanted to get James Nutting involved, who is an amazing animal animator in yeah, Cardiff. Like, yeah, yeah. He does cats. He does cats. <laughs> he was doing cats at the time for Joanna Quinn's film, yeah. which still unfinished, but very excited to see the full film quite soon, I, th I hope. So he was like in a real cat zone. <laughs> so we got him in the middle of that cat zone. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, and if I remember right, it was Danny's idea to do this in Moho. So what was it about Moho that kind of drew um, you in? Also, maybe you could just sort of describe what Moho is. Moho is like the perfect marriage between CG and 2D, I think. Like, I often describe it if, like, Maya had sex with After Effects <laughs> and had a baby, it, was, it would be Moho. And, like, I'm a CG animator. Uh, in the beginning of my career, I was a CG animation at uni and then six years in CG animation and always wanted to cross over into 2D. Um, and I was doing that really slowly on productions through After Effects. <laughs> um, and then I've always had, like, my own project that I was trying to get off the ground in the background but like it never suited any of those softwares and then I saw a Moho demonstration by Cartoon Saloon on the their project Puffin Rock was built in Moho and it sort of had this wonderful way of faking a 3D turnaround in a 2D character way more than After Effects was doing at the time and that was a good couple of years ago so I bought it and I have been 
religious about it mm-hmm. ever since. Like everything we've made together is, has to be more somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and now I get to go, I'm going to go work on Puffin Rock, which is a really weird full circle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but will you guys carry on as a well I guess bring it round to Phil then who did the music for the film and Phil uh, we talked to you not that long ago actually we did a similar kind of podcast uh, filmmaker Q&A thing for Lawrence Festival last year or the year before and that was for an animate Zara's film as well yeah. um, but going on to Creepypasta Salad first then Certainly the thing I found with this film is it, it seems like it really gave you a chance to kind of flex your creative muscles. There's a lot of genre spanning yeah, in this film. Yeah, yeah, that's what I enjoyed most about it is that, um, you know, Lauren had all of these ideas and she'd kind of run, we had a meeting and she ran through a few things with me of, of what's going on in the film and I was, I was like, whoa, that would be cool if I could make like the the uh, on hold music you know make like some really cheesy funk or something um as well as the scoring and then it came up uh later in our meeting um lauren said you know oh there's a we we've got like this sort of uh, death metal track that's uh, you know it's kind of like a template at the moment but i don't know what we're going to do about it and thankfully uh, I, i've been in death metal bands <laughs> so I stepped up and recorded a death metal track, which was really fun. I never thought I'd be screaming uh, that hard we're into it. Yeah, we're gonna die is, is what I shout. But I was, I was actually really um, proud of the lyrics sorry, for that, but I don't think anyone will ever understand them because I'm just screaming them. But um, yeah, and I got to make like a shopping channel, cheesy funk music as well. And yeah, it was really fun. It was a really fun film to work on. And, and it was really cool for me because I don't generally, I haven't worked locally that much because uh, I'm from Cardiff as well. And, um, and it was great just getting to go and see Danny and Lauren and hear about the film and see it in its progress and kind of, yeah, it was cool, really cool. It did seem like it was kind of a love letter to the city. But you're not from Cardiff either. No, I'm not from Or Danny. I've But it has this really nice sort of feel. I mean, as someone who's from the area, did you, how did you feel about the authenticity of it? Yeah, I loved it. Like, uh, you know, so I'd get like, you know, um, animatics and like uh, sketches of the of the film with bits of the audio over it. And I'd like hear this, these really strong Welsh accents. And I'd be like, oh, sweet. Like, you know, when someone says, oh, ridiculous, it sounds like my wife's nan. So I was like, that's cool. Yeah. For Good Intentions then, the Andaman Zaris film, did this come like right on the sort of heels of her previous film? Yeah, it did okay. actually. Um, I think... Which was called Enough, which that's is I it. think online now. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So we, we did Enough and that was... That was a very short film. That was like a minute long or something. So I made like a, a short piece for that. And um, and that was loads of fun. And then I kind of uh, got wind of um, a second film she was doing. And I went and met her in London and she was talking about it. And I kind of, you know, I was just like, yeah, so am I making music on this one as well? You know, because like, cause she, she mentioned it was like a dark film and I'm into that you know so um 
so I was so I, I you know thankfully I got to make music for her again which is always amazing because I think I've I've been blessed to work with her like uh, over like six projects now so um, yeah but um, Good Intentions came right after enough and that was great because it was like um, lots of suspense driven stuff and uh, I got to work with lots of different sounds than uh, I'd usually get to and that was that was really cool as well yeah I mean, with this film, because it's, it's a darker film overall, um, and there's, I think, perhaps less kind of range in terms of the style of the music, is that more or less sort of challenging, sort of coming up with a soundtrack that has to kind of maintain this one mood or this kind of mood that's going in one direction? Yeah, it's different. It's, it's certainly a different feeling to making something with a more uh, broader spectrum or a more eclectic sound it's like you kind of but it's kind of nice you kind of just get into this zone and it's like you you wrap yourself in this feeling and um and create from there so it's like you know i just watch it over and over again and i'd have these sounds and i they'd start from and this one i i am um, got to you know experiment quite a lot so i'd put things in there like when i was watching it just then in uh, in the watershed it was like um hearing my voice is pretty cool in, in, a, in a cinema because I'd, I'd use my voice and stretch it to make this eerie sound and and there's uh, this really weird section at the end where um where the guy collapses and and it almost sounds like a breath but it was actually like a it was my breath you know that i put in the music so like just yeah just sort of live in that feeling really is it's pretty cool Fantastic. cool thank you very much Phil yeah no um Laura, uh, first of all, it'd be nice to sort of get a sense of who you are and um, what sort of work you were doing before this film came along. Um, well, I'm a 2D animator mostly. I went to the Royal College of Art and graduated uh, in 2017. Actually, if you were at Encounters last year, my grad film, The Witch's Mask, which was kind of about Indonesian folklore and what to do when your mother is a murderous deity, uh, was also playing here. <laughs> Um, otherwise, I do, like, I just really love drawing and I'm quite flexible in all sorts of things. So I've worked on a couple of other random act shorts. I've directed one uh, about the tube called Two Minutes with, uh, by writer Yaro Timibu and uh, with the sketches of an um, amazing East London artist called Adiban Gelade. And sometimes I also work on my mate's films as an animator. Uh, like Lockhorns is in the next Random Acts program. I don't think it's going to be, I think it's only going to be online. But um, I animated a standing headlock for that. Mm. So, yeah. Cool. Well, Random Acts as a, as a scheme has existed for quite a while, but it's sort of changed shape a bit. But as far as what it is currently, could you maybe sort of describe what they are and how they're set up and how they bring filmmakers on board? I, well, first of all, I'm French, so I don't really know so much about the history of Random Acts, to be honest, and not so much about the workings. I think for me it's just been people who are um, like friends of friends who are calling out for projects. And actually it starts with as a project that I had started um, a couple of years before, but I had never got around finishing it. So uh, I just popped them an email because we'd worked on another film together before. I was like, oh, I have this. Would you be interested? And I think what I found absolutely amazing about them is like how approachable they were. And uh, also, they give me really good feedback at the end in editing and stuff like that. So I just really, really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Do they have much of a hand then in, in the story or story development? Do they or do they kind of leave you to your own devices? Um, not, well, to be honest, the film was about fifty percent done when I when I approached them with that with it. It was really just like I needed a bit more money and a bit more time to be able to finish it. So. Um, I think there was a voiceover that was scrapped in the end, but really that's, it, w it was a very, very short voiceover. So really, pretty much the whole thing was done before. It was really um, production that I needed to complete, so that was like backgrounds, animation, but the animatic, I actually presented the animatic at the beginning. And even the sound was there because I'd already um, worked with a composer on it before. You mentioned that some films are online only. Um, in general, do they handle all of the kind of distribution and getting it seen or out in festivals, or do you retain a certain degree of involvement in that? Um, I think for festivals, usually it's up to the filmmakers themselves uh, to send them off, but then I can see there's always like um, random act screenings happening at different events, and then there's the Somerset one. So I think it really depends sort of from film to film and from season. I, but to be honest, I, I don't have so much constant contact with the team, so yeah. I'm sort of saying from an observational yeah. point of view. Yeah. Cool. Uh, onto the film itself then and the story. Um, can you talk a bit about where this came from and what kind of um, brought it about? It was... Well, if you've seen the film, there is a moment where one of the characters breaks like a piece of broken glass. And that's how I once felt at one point uh, in my life, but like non-metaphorically. So I thought it would be interesting to bring it into, um, into animation. And I guess uh, it was, I think it's kind of, usually I say like, this is not a love story, but it's an observation on the moment you fall in love. And it's kind of like about this, imagine you're in a place where you can't think about love, can't think about touch, can't think about anything. And then there's just the tiny small gestures of someone, maybe a friend or just someone who's there. Who kind, and these small gestures of kindness just sort of enable you to move forward. And it was just like this really, really micro thing that I thought was actually extremely important and I kind of like blew it into a film. So that's what it's about. How hands-on were you with the animation itself then? Did you do a lot of it or did you have a team? Um, I'm pretty much did most of it except the best animated shots which was done by my friend Matthias who works at Studio AK and uh, it's like when the one of the character crouches uh, underneath the table but I did send him like I filmed some film ref um, to show him I want how I wanted it to move and then he did his magic in like two days thanks Matt <laughs> thank you very much Laura um, if we talk a little bit with Patricia about uh, Laugh Lines. Um, am I right in thinking this was also a student film? Yes. Uh, can you talk a bit about the uh, university you were at and how it's structured for filmmakers? Well, it's the uh, university in Lucerne, Switzerland, and it's the only university in Switzerland that um, has animation, and it's my master's um, grads film. And yeah, it's a the the Swiss animation scene is really small, and you know each other because everybody was like there, and the the whole class is also really small, and um, there's a lot of love for each other because you just 
just a small team and everybody knows each other and if you see each other on festivals you're really happy and they um, they teach you 3D and 2D animation and in the masters you're like really um, alone with everything and it teaches to teaches you to be like independent filmmaker and like uh, how to get money and live from that and bachelor is more like yeah you, uh, they teach you how to do it and then you have to know how to do it and just the real life a little bit <laughs> <laughs> the design style in the film is really really charming can you talk a bit about your sort of influences and what that kind of is built on Whew. Um, that's difficult. Uh, in the bachelors, I did 3D animation, and then uh, for the masters, I was like, no, no more of that. <laughs> I um, and then, uh, like before the, my studies, I I draw, I drew a lot, but then for the 3D, I just had no time because all this 3D stuff was happening, and then I had to like refine myself and uh, find some way of a style and uh, I don't know how I found it I, I had a really big Pinterest uh, <laughs> uh, map so I don't I don't know just a lot of stuff and a lot of me happening mm -hmm. cool. so it's I think eight different kind of strands of um scenarios, people, interactions, that kind of thing. As a kind of two-part thing, like, what, I guess, brought that initial idea about of having it be sort of multiple scenarios, and then what was the kind of idea generation process for what each character would be doing, um, if that makes sense. So, um, I just had, like, the idea or, like, the this subject friendship in my head, and then I didn't know what to do about it just that I want to like focus on it and then I I just drew and sketched what came in my mind and then I I had um, really fast uh, huge collections of like little scenes or little characters or character pairs and then I thought um, yeah I want uh, the movie to be about friendship so it would would be kind of weird for me to be only one friendship because there are li like so so many different kind of friendships and relationships between two or more or less people and then I thought like and I I already have so many and I I, I like a lot of them so I just make more than one story hmm. another element of the film that I really enjoyed the very very intense sort of music um, and the way that kind of especially sort of toward the end and when it sort of brings in the singers and stuff um, can you talk about the relationship with the composer and working with them um, yes uh, he's called Joachim Flüller and he's a just a genius I really loved working with him and I didn't know him before I just asked uh, a composer friend, I have this project, do you know who might be interested? And then he gave me his contacts and we were just, um, it was a love on first sight on 
and uh, yeah, he um, he just kind of does stuff, and then it's really good. And I don't know how, and I um, he doesn't like to tell, and um, I can't even say which instruments. Um, he uses or he used. I know that there are a lot of non-instruments in it. It just um, I don't I didn't know what what kind of music I wanted. I just gave him a list um, of what I didn't want, and then he like a few weeks later, when he had time, he sent me like the first sample, and I was like, yeah, that's it. And uh, I thought like the first sample was so great, I just would have taken it, but it just got um, better and better. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much. So Kaylee with uh, Featherweight. So from what I gather, you went to Ireland to make this film. Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland, okay. I assume then that was to do with funding or production oh, circumstances um, or... It was in Belfast City in Northern Ireland, and um, I went to work there about oh, three and a half years ago, I suppose, uh, at a studio called Jam Media, and I went to work there as an animator for uh, like uh, TV shows for um, uh, CBB's Little Roy and Nick Jr.'s Becker's Budge later on, and there was something being passed around the, the studios in that country. Um, uh, uh, for funding um, to make a short film so I applied I only realised I wanted to do it like a few days before the deadline <laughs> luckily it got picked and um, they let me sort of make it there at the studio it wasn't sort of a full time project so I had to carry on my day job and then direct this film after hours <laughs> through the evenings um, yeah and that was about two years ago um, and yeah finally finished <laughs> so you had this very short amount of time then to, to put a pitch together what did you end up kind of sending over to them did you have to like sort of oh yeah it was from an, it was an idea uh, it was something I'd made a few years ago um, something I'd written a few years ago and but I hadn't I didn't have a finished animatic or anything, so I just brushed it up and I was just like, oh my god, I'd, I'd love to actually make this finally. <laughs> so I was, I was lucky that I already had this brewing and I, I, was, um, I was pretty, pretty sure that that's, that's the one I would want to make if I was going to make anything. So yeah, I just had to send off a script and you only have to send storyboards, I think, and some concept work. Um, but uh, I, luckily I had uh, anim animatic to send and I got some help from friends that worked there some of the surrounding studios as well um, but everybody I knew they were there for work so they all had to do it in their spare time as well so I had to ask people to, to um, you know, work late into the hours um, to, to, to see any progress with the film but yeah, it was worth it, and I'm very grateful for all the help I got. <laughs> well, I can imagine it being something that people would be quite keen to muck in on, because it's sort of it's a little bit maybe outside of what they do in working hours. I suppose so. Yeah, it was all hand drawn. Actually, um, it wasn't even rigged. Um, I th uh, I think next time I might rig it because it was such a nightmare for the poor animators. They're, they're so good, but it took so took so much of their time to, to get the shots 
finished. Um, but um, I, I wanted to, I don't know, try and um, see if I, because um, uh, they're often using Maya uh, all day or um, uh, rigged uh, Tomb Boom characters. Um, so I thought I'd, if I uh, sent an email out, was, I'd, I'd see if anyone was interested in who, who enjoyed drawing and animating um, would uh, have any incentive to do that, even though it's extra hours. But um, yeah, um, it, was, it was fun. <laughs> I am. I'm not particularly good at. I don't think I'm particularly good at designing or animating. But I like the compositing. <laughs> I like the compositing a lot, which is that comes at the very end. Um, I love bringing the animation together with the background and the effects and the shadows and all that. Um, so that's when I, I really got to pick up steam. Um, so that, that helped, but at the beginning it was very muggy at the beginning. I was trying to la lock down designs and I was just, uh, I was really struggling. <laughs> so it was quite a basic design, um, if you've seen it. It's quite um, often the other way around from talking to quite a lot of filmmakers or certainly independent filmmakers, like they'll, they'll get the film more or less done and then they just don't really know where to go when it comes to the post-production. So it's a pretty good toolkit to have like if you're actually looking forward to that stage. When you initially came up with the script then, do you remember what sort of inspired that or brought it about? Are you a boxing fan? <laughs> no, I don't do boxing. But, uh, the last time I tried boxing, I got my nose broken. So I'm rubbish at it. Um, but uh, I don't know, I think it's quite a visually fascinating action uh, sport. I quite like watching fights. So it was, I don't know, it was a bit more straightforward for me to be symbolic and metaphorical with it. But the story came from, I knew I wanted to make something, I don't know, something sad. Um, <laughs> my favourite stories are sad ones. I think they're the best. And <laughs> so I just tried to draw on what any, any sad experiences I've had and just like pump it into a script. Um, but I was, the main incentive was just to try and complete a script beginning, middle and end, because uh, I, I love, love the writing and I love the compositing. Um, it's just the bit in the middle that's a bit hard. <laughs> um, yeah, the idea, I suppose it came from, I was trying to think, what's the saddest thing that's, that's happened to me? And I suppose well, my father passed away when I was quite young and, uh, well, a teenager really, but um, he wasn't really present for most, like all my life. And um, always wondered what it would be like to have had. Um, so I suppose I embellished this a bit. Uh, I sort of put this, this the, the father and daughter character I'm really interested in because I've never understood how that works actually. I understand mother, daughter, father, son, even father, daughter, I mean mother, son. I understand that quite well but I've never understood stories about. Um, so I, I love stories about those, that relationship. It's really interesting to me. Um, so because there's such a difference in age and gender and I don't know size or whatever um, <laughs> and uh, so yeah I wanted to put these characters into a situation where they lose the central members so they're forced to try and connect um, or, or just be doomed. <laughs> um, in a way that sort of goes kind of quite well with the theme of the film in that they are initially certainly there's a bit of distance between the two of them and it is almost like there isn't as much of the kind of father-daughter relationship that there had been before. So I can imagine that perhaps sort of helped with the authenticity of that from a story perspective, like starting with them not necessarily having a relationship and kind of building toward a connection. Yeah, yeah, I think pretty much the only link they had was that um, older girl boxer. Um, 
really. They, they were, uh, you know, adored her and um, she adored them, but and that's all they needed. But that suddenly ripped away. <laughs> what do you do? Um, so they do, do seem very distant at first. Like, you kind of you wonder if they've ever even spoke to e spoken to each other. <laughs> it's weird. Um, but yeah, so I just I don't know. It just sort of they just had to find a way to, for them to come together in the end, and it sort of took weird turns, twists and turns. But when you say older girl boxer, is that then a kind of purposeful like ambiguity? as to whether she's a sister or a mother or... Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know who she is, to be honest. <laughs> okay. sort of... I, had, I think I had initially assumed it was an older sister and then later on I, I was kind of thinking maybe it was the mother, but, but oh, that's really? interesting that it's not actually in stone. I first, yeah, I thought, well, I suppose at the beginning I thought, oh, it could be, could be the mother. Um, but, uh, but actually, like, after, and after it was done, uh, I was like, oh, this looks like identical to my big sister. <laughs> She's tall, blonde, and ferocious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's weird. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, I think we have the room for a little bit more, a few more minutes. Uh, if there are any questions from the audience. Yes. Thanks. Hi there, I'm Joseph Norman from Zippy Frames Animation Journal. Um, this is a question for um, Lauren, but also for Danny, um, to do with the, uh, you, you spoke um, earlier earlier about the, well you said you had a kind of a, a lack of a personal style into the design process. Um, I felt there was quite a strong design style within the film as it was accomplished. Um, do you feel that the way the style developed was particularly rooted in the history of Welsh animation or British animation in general, because I felt there was, especially in terms of textural qualities and colour and mark making, that came out quite strongly in the work. Oh, that's really interesting. Not consciously, but I guess. Like, that's what we're immersed in the most, I suppose. Although, like, luckily we have encounters and we have festivals giving us access to, you know, animation from around the world and stuff. But yeah, maybe it is from quite a British tradition. Who am I? Yeah, I was I was looking to animators from Europe though, to be honest. But then like not really emulating the style. So um, Annette, I don't know how to say her last name. You might know. It's Annette Malise. Is it? Is that right? She's a Swiss animator, I think. Annette Maleke. Maleke. I'm saying that really badly. <laughs> <laughs> like I was inspired by her, but more her writing than than her um, than her style really. Anyone else? Or if you guys have any questions for each other? Um, did, you meet your, uh, did you make your film uh, at the, did you say, the studio in Germany? No, Switzerland. It's in Switzerland? Yeah. Oh, okay, so you made it in, in the studio, or did you make it um, like by yourself at home? I was wondering. Norway, we have a, like, in school we have huge rooms, and everyone, everyone has, like, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Um, everyone has, like, his his desk or desks. I made most of it myself, but I had a small team animating, and but I was the only student. The other ones were like, oh, yeah, cool. professional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a question. It's a question for anyone, but I'm, I'm, I'm new to animation. Sorry, it's a bit generic, but um, it's, it's very 
fiddly and <laughs> hard to get over your, you know, certain problems. Um, how, how do you deal with that? Because I mean, it takes a lot of time to make you know anything work. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, but yeah. So how we deal with problems? How, how, um, <laughs> well, how you get over, you know... The frustration. Well, frust yeah, frustration, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. um, I do mostly 3D modeling. Uh, and I'm very new to it, and it's very hard. <laughs> so for me, um, I, I started three, three years 3D, and now I'm in 2D. That says a lot. <laughs> Um, but for me, I kind of love this problem because it's just like um, puzzle solving. It uh, keeps my brain activated because like after you did everything in animation, like you have the storyboard, you have the animatic and everything, it's sometimes it's getting kind of boring for me. I think like, I mean, a classic 2D animation is just like, uh, drawing and drawing the same picture over and over again and then I'm sometimes happy that I have to solve a problem <laughs> and I, I'm not like doing yeah just don't stick to the storyboard <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> anyone else uh, are you in uni I uh, yes uh, I'm doing in in first year or I'm uh, second year studying kind. Um, oh, cool! Um, yeah, um, Yay! But yeah, obviously, you know, games and the animation. I'm finding it's, it's a lot of programming, but I find the animation far more interesting. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I would I would say um, don't be afraid to press every single button in Maya <laughs> or, or Max or whatever it is that you you're using. Like. That's mostly how I learned, was, and I've had to teach myself from the beginning again a lot in a lot of different softwares, and I've become unafraid of pushing buttons. And I think that is when you do an accident or when something goes wrong is when you learn something new and cool, and that's a good thing. So don't be afraid to go off piste if you're following YouTube tutorials or whatever. Press everything. <laughs> so. Sorry, I was gonna say, jokingly, like deadlines and a sense of impending doom. <laughs> but, <laughs> but actually, when I'm really stuck on something, um, going back and watching references or films, but you know, like very, very precisely, like for example, all these websites full of GIFs taken from animation films really helped me. Like uh, I was doing a short sort of music video clip that was a little bit inspired by Porco Rosso and so just like really looking at how Miyazaki would stage uh, the flight of something or stuff like that so really like when you're stuck I think going back to references and trying to understand how this creates a certain effect on you is always a really good one and also it kind of like expands your mind like don't do this all the time but you can also do little sketches and stuff like that I find like when I sketch I think a part of my brain is in my right hand so when I sketch it just Man, through process basically it unlocks things like I think when I began I was really stressed out about sticking to my storyboard and like really really being on the rails but some of the joy of animation is just kind of yeah not sticking to the storyboard improvising seeing all these like you think it, they're problems but actually they're like solutions or new ideas that drip in at the same time so yeah like don't be scared and enjoy the process it's gonna be great mm -hmm.
and terrifying. <laughs> On that uh, great and terrifying note, thank you very much to all the filmmakers for joining us today, and thank you all of you guys for coming. Um, round of applause. Thank you very much to all of the filmmakers for attending and sharing their insights. Would you like to learn more about their work? Of course you would! Then for crying out loud, whip out a browser and bookmark laurenorm.com and dannyabram.co.uk or their combined efforts at pickleanimation.com. That's pickles spelled P-I-C-L. Composer Phil Brooks is at philbrooks.com and Laura Nassia Tamara's site is laura-ntamara.com. To keep up with the progress of Patricia Wenger's Laugh Lines, you can visit the studio website yk-animation.ch, though it might help if you speak Swiss-German. Browsers can translate these days. You'll be fine. You'll get the gist. KayleeGibbons.com is the place to be for all your Kaylee Gibbons-related inquiries, and for O Hunter Hart, you can visit director Carla McKinnon's site at mckinnonworks.com. Christian Schleffer's site is schlefferdesign.de. Schleffer is spelled S-C-H-L-A-E-F-F-E-R. Now you've got the browsing bug, how about you give Squiggly some love? At Squiggly on Twitter, at Squiggly Animation on Instagram, and squiggly.com for all your animation coverage needs. Go on, join us. We're delightful company. I've been Ben Mitchell, at Ben L. Mitchell on Twitter for what it's worth. And you've been spectacular. Hope you enjoyed it. Episode 4 coming next week. Gonna be another fun one. Another busy one. Don't miss out. You miss out on things too much. Stop it. Until then, happy animating.